Well, you can turn over in your Bibles. We're going to be in James chapter 5 today, though we'll start off in John 15. There was a store manager who overheard his clerk tell a customer, No, ma'am, we haven't had any for a while, and it doesn't look as if we will be getting any soon. Horrified, the manager came running over to the customer and said, Of course we'll have, have some soon. We placed an order last week. And the manager drew the clerk aside and he said, Never, he, never, never, never say we're out of anything. Say we've got it on order and it's coming. Now, what was it that you wanted? The clerk said, Rain. <laughs> well, we got some rain today, didn't we? That was good. We needed some rain to come on in. Over in John chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. We've been on the subject of bearing fruit, looking at what it is to bear fruit, what fruit is, how we can bear fruit. And first off, just because we are saved does not mean that we bear fruit. We can bear fruit for God being attached to the vine, but just because we are attached to the vine does not mean we produce fruit. He says, if I abide in you, my words abide in you. We have to make sure that the abiding takes place. But we want to produce fruit because the Word of God tells us that every branch that does not produce fruit, He does what? He takes away. Now you can figure out on your own self what it means to be taken away. I'd just rather stay attached. Let's just work on being the attached side and don't even worry about, well, what happens if I uh, just produce fruit? Let's learn what the Word of God tells us about producing fruit. Produce the fruit and we'll be fine. We want to grow in the vine. We want to be attached to the vine. We want to produce fruit that is of the vine, the true vine. In James chapter 5, He says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until he receives the early and the latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. So he tells us to be patient. Until the coming of the Lord. Has the Lord come yet? No, so we still need to be patient, which means we need to continue on. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. The fruit is produced because what falls? Without rain, do you have fruit? Now, is this in Jesus teaching in, uh, in John. Does he talk about rain? You can certainly see it implied and you have to be, do have to be careful when Jesus is using figurative topics for, for teaching. He's not necessarily trying to make every aspect have a uh, direct application. But one of the things that Jesus did not teach about to the disciples, though he set it up, he made the way ready and Paul came in and taught how that was going to be, was the role of the Holy Spirit in the church age. And the Holy Spirit is, is uh, attributed to the rain. Joel calls it the latter rain, which is the 
pouring out of the Holy Spirit. The former and the latter rain. There is a former pouring out of the Holy Spirit. There is a latter pouring out of the Holy Spirit. That these rains help the vine, help the tree, help whatever it is that's producing fruit to produce fruit. That without the rain, will much fruit be produced? No, we need rain. We need water. You go out there with your own plants. You find some plants out there that are kind of struggling, kind of dried up. You know they need some water. And you put some water on them and that helps them out. They may be attached okay to the roots. They may, be, they may have been growing okay. But they need some water. And we need some water too. We talked about today, title today be, being uh, that we just, we need, to, we need to get into the rain. We need to bring on the rain. But today was not a good day to bring on rain. We had a picnic scheduled today. But that's alright. We can always do a picnic another time. Rain is important for us to have. But we got to have the rain. He says, be patient until the coming of the Lord. And then he starts to begin talking about the farmer. The farmer is patient. The farmer does not go out there and reap the harvest too early. He waits for, first off, the former rain and the latter rain. And of course, all the rains that are going on in between. For them, the former rain, former rain of the harvest came a certain way and the latter rains came another way. But we don't even have to get into all that to understand this. To be patient until the coming of the Lord. Patience in what? We've got to be patient in doing what we're doing. We've got to stay patient in doing what we're doing. How many of us believe that we're serving the Lord in some way? I sure hope so. If not, get busy. Get out there and serve the Lord. How do you serve the Lord? Well, you're a light to your neighborhood. The people that you're neighbors with, you are a light to. When opportunity comes, you can share the Word of God. When people come and ask you questions, you can share what you know of the Word of God. That's being a light. That's changing the things that are there. That's service to the Lord. When God needs something done for other believers, what do you do? You step up. That's serving the Lord. That's by serving one another. Whatsoever you do unto the least of these, my brethren, you do also. So we serve the Lord that way. We serve the Lord in, in, in ministries. We serve the Lord in service. We serve the Lord in loving others. We, we do these things as service unto the Lord. And many things, we're not really here to get into all that. But we've got to stay patient in what we are doing. I've got to stay patient in doing the thing that I'm doing. Stay patient in it. How many times have we decided to get impatient with doing what we're doing? Well, you know, the Lord keeps tarrying. The Lord keeps holding off. I've been doing this, hanging on, waiting for that time. I think I'm just going to give up. No, don't give up. Keep on going. Don't quit. Patient in what? Stay patient in what you're doing. And patience for what? Well, he says stay patient for the coming of the Lord. Don't get anxious about it. Don't get to the place. Don't get yourself all built up to the, to the thing that, oh, this world is so awful. This is so awful. I just need the Lord to come tomorrow. And you lose all patience. How do you all know that is easy to do? <laughs> don't we sometimes just want to get there and say, Oh, Lord Jesus, just come on. <laughs> I don't have to show up for work anymore. I don't have to pay any bills anymore. I mean, it's just going to be so much better. And we can become impatient for the coming of the Lord. And then once we do that, then we begin to question whether the Lord's timing is right. Don't do that. Don't let those kind of things in. The Word of God tells us, be patient. So we need to be patient. Just as the farmer is patient, we are to stay patient waiting for the Lord. We stay patient waiting for the Lord knowing that when the harvest time comes, when the latter rains come, it's all part of, of when it's supposed to be. And just as the farmer doesn't go out there and stop servicing the crops, stop servicing the harvest, he keeps on going. We stay patient. So we stay patient in both those things. I stay patient in what I'm doing 
and I stay patient for who I'm doing it for. Stay patient for the Father. The example of the father, farmer here, he trusts that the rain is coming, it's going to come. Every time that a farmer sows seed, aren't they trusting that rain is going to come? They can't control the rain. They can't make it rain. But they trust that the rain is going to come. And we can do that. Jesus doesn't even talk about the rain falling and helping the vine out to produce fruit because you can just trust the rain is going to come. Thank God for the rain. But the fruit is produced after receiving the rains. The fruit is produced after receiving the rains. It needs to receive the rains. We need the work of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. It is the work of the Holy Spirit who will help us to produce the fruit that Jesus spoke of. We have the vine dresser. Who is the vine dresser? The Father. The Father is the vine dresser. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. We're all branches. Jesus is the only vine. And the Father is the only vine dresser. We're not called to be vine dressers. But part of the vine dresser is to make sure that the vine is growing correctly. That the wrong things are taken away. That the, the vine is trained right. You take it in the right direction. And you, you, you just... Whatever the vine dresser does, I'm not a vine dresser. I've never studied vines. I don't really have a whole lot of interest in vines. I do like to eat grapes. I do like a shot of grape juice every now and then too. But that's really about all I take out of the vine. So I'm not a vine dresser. Never studied up on it. Don't really care to get any kind of thing like that going into my backyard, even for application purposes. Just to understand better. So we don't need to, to know all of that. But part of the role of the Holy Spirit, part of the the role of the vine dresser is he sets up things in. It's not just him who comes over to, to prune us. He has the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit is there to help us. And the, and the Father uses the Holy Spirit. Uses the hand of the Holy Spirit to teach us these things. He uses you being in a good church. It's important, important that you be in a good church. We had somebody come before. Uh, uh, I forget who it was who, who mentioned that. But they said... Um, that being in the right church is a matter of life and death. Who was that? Oh, and oh, was that? How about was Annie? I didn't remember it was Annie. And Durant said it's, it can be a matter of life and death, and it certainly it can. If you get filled with with thoughts of the word doesn't work, if you get filled with thoughts of God will take this away and God will take this away, then it can be a matter of life and death when you get into those situations. You know, sometimes we're not the most perfect church in the world. Sometimes we hear people who have come in here and gone, gone off and have fallen away and we think, oh, they should have stayed. And maybe they should have stayed. And maybe it would have been better for them that they did. And it's always you know, a topic of conversation. It's kind of like you know, the, uh, the Eagles. As long as they have a player on the team, you want them to do well. But as soon as you trade them, I hope he fails. You know? <laughs> and that's just not right. You know, you know, if Donovan goes down to Washington, I hope he does well except for two games out of the year. Outside of that, he can do just, uh, just, uh, just fine. But sometimes we can get that mentality in there. What happens though with, with, with sometimes, and some of the folks that we've seen leave, have, have left and they don't have that pruning process because they left part of the pruning process. Part of the pruning process the Father uses is not so much that the church is perfect, He just uses it. It's just a tool for Him. And the Holy Spirit brings inspiration to different people who share different testimonies who uh, have exhortations for you or words for you or teachings that come out from the Word of God or the Word of God quickens this to you. And that helps. Oh, I need to do that. Oh, I need to get rid of that. Yes, yes. Then you stay pruned. It's a, it's a constant process. 
and we need to stay in that constant pruning process to be taken care of. God will do it through a church. God will do it through the Holy Spirit. God does it through other means. But He is going to continue to prune you. And if you stop being pruned, you'll look okay for a week or two, maybe three weeks, four weeks. But after a while, you can begin to notice it's not quite right. It's just like if you got a haircut and you said, that's the last haircut I'm ever going to get. And you made that firm decision, I will never get another haircut. Will anyone notice the next day? <laughs> no, they won't notice the next day. Will, will they notice the next week? Probably not, because you don't get a haircut every week. They probably won't notice in two weeks, three weeks, maybe even four weeks. They still don't know that you've made a commitment to never get another haircut. But you know, five weeks, they may start wondering. Six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks, they may even come up and say, boy, you're letting your hair grow. <laughs> but it's not initially something that you notice. In the pruning process of God, when you stop yielding to it, you may not notice it right off the bat. But it will have its effect. And then you know, when you have to get back in there and be pruned, it's not as easy. Oh, how much easier it is to prune a, a, a plant when the wrong things are real tiny. But I'll let those things grow up and they don't look so good. We've had people in the church got healed, miraculously healed of some things and then wandered off and, and now aren't even following after God. Doing things and they're, they're lost their healing. Why'd they lose their healing? Did God's will change? No, God's will didn't change. But the devil was able to get in and steal some things away. So stay hooked in. Let God prune you with all the tools that He has at His disposal. He says, establish your heart for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Establish your heart on the Word of God. Make sure the Word of God is your foundation. Do not grumble against one another. And then he gets into this part. Do not grumble against one another. Over in John chapter 15, we saw that after he talked about being attached to the vine and producing fruit, he talked about love, he talked about joy, and he talked about peace. Those three things. Those three things are fruits. Here he talks about don't grumble. Well, if you start grumbling against another brethren... What are you not walking in? You're not having a whole lot of joy, are you? You can't have joy and grumble. You can't be at peace and grumble. So he says, don't grumble against one another. Brethren. Talking about the brethren. Lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Well, that's all stuff we... We want to be, be careful. I'll turn over, if you would, over to Mark chapter 14. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him. And he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. And he went a little further and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again he went away and prayed and spoke with the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again. 
for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. Then he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. What does Jesus ask, ask them to do? He says, First off, sit here while I pray. Then he took Peter, James, and John a little bit further on. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch. And apparently he also gave them the command to pray because when they came back and he wasn't doing that, he uh, exhorted them as such. In Matthew 26, where we see the same story, and in Luke chapter 22, Matthew's almost word for word exactly what we see here in Mark. And Luke leaves out all three trips. He just talks about, he just kind of summarizes them all together and puts it into one. But he, in all these places, Jesus is always coming back, how come you're not praying? Why aren't you watching with me? Why aren't you awake? And this, this statement, the flesh is willing, I'm sorry, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. When we looked over at Galatians last week, and we're going to get more into Galatians as time goes on here, we saw that there was the works of the flesh and there was the fruit of the Spirit. The works of the flesh are evident and he listed some of those. But the works of the, of the Spirit, and so we have, this is of the flesh, this is of the Spirit. And here Jesus says to them, the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This, the flesh is weak. Jesus came to them and He gave them a command. He said, pray, watch, so that you do not enter into temptation. In other words, temptation was out there in front of them. He didn't want them to enter into it. He wanted them to watch and to pray. And did they? No, they fell asleep. And they, they fell asleep, why? Because they were bored? Because there were no video games available? No books to read? No, I mean, I'm sure they were tired. They had a heavy schedule. Jesus was tired too. But they gave in to, to falling asleep. Jesus gave them a command. Understand this, just because Jesus gave you command doesn't make it easy to follow. Doesn't mean that you're going to want to do it. It may be a good thing to do, but doesn't mean that you're going to want to do it. How many of y'all know your parents gave you some commands and some things to do that you didn't necessarily want to do, but they were better for you? They were good for you. You recognized it later on. At the time, No. But there was benefit if you listened. There was consequences if you didn't. The Spirit is willing. The Spirit is willing. Well, it's good to have a willing spirit, but a willing spirit won't get it done, will it? We've got to have more than just a, a willing spirit. Uh, down at verse 38. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He says, watch and pray that you do not enter into temptation. The word here for enter, it means to go into or to leave. He's not talking about accidentally sinning. How many of you know that you have accidentally sinned before? He is not talking about that. He is talking about willingly doing it. When you were young growing up, how many times did you accidentally sin? Oh yeah, a whole lot. But 
Were there not also times when mom just baked the cookies and said, do not eat them? And what do we find ourselves doing? Is that accidental? We may try and pass it off as accidental. Right? <laughs> I may try. It was an accident. <laughs> Didn't mean to. It just happened. No, we can try and pass it off as an accident, but no, it's not. And this is what Jesus is talking. He is talking about sin that we enter into. If I enter into sin, is it a fruit or is it a work of the flesh? It certainly isn't a fruit, is it? So if they're going to enter into this, if they're going to step into this, it means they have to stop being fruitful or not be fruitful in this area and instead become products of the flesh, works of the flesh, of the flesh, not of the Spirit. The word there for enter, I follow it through Scripture here for you. Again, he is not talking about accidentally sinning. This is on purpose. Then they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath he entered this synagogue and taught. Did Jesus accidentally enter the synagogue? Did Jesus just walking around, minding his own? Oh, we're in the synagogue. How did we get here? Wow. No, he meant to do it, didn't he? Same word being used. Mark chapter 1, verse 45. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city. He could no longer openly enter the city. Did Jesus mean to enter the city? Did Jesus want to enter the city? But He could not enter the city. This is the same word being used here. Here's another one. And again, He entered Capernaum after some days and it was heard that He was in the house. Did He mean to enter Capernaum? Verse 26, How He went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the priest. Did He mean to go in? Mark 3, verse 1, And He entered the synagogue again and a man was there who had a withered hand. Again, he's not accidentally going into the synagogue. He means to be in there. Verse 27, No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his good. Is that an accidental entry? No. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his good unless he first binds a strong man and then he will plunder his house. Not only must I be intentional in the entry, I must plan it out. Now, this is just three chapters we covered. You can cover this word. This word is all through the New Testament. You can cover it in plenty of times. These are not the only six times that it's in there. And when it is used, it means to purposely enter. You meant to go in. It was not an accident. This is where you wanted to be. So he says, when he uses this word, because you can use a word that means to accidentally enter into something. He's not using that. He is using this word. Again, let's read it. Watch and pray lest you, on purpose... Enter into temptation. In other words, I see the choice. Here's the choice. Here is temptation and here is the way out. I will go this way. I will take this way. Can you imagine doing that? I'm sure that you have somewhere in your time of your life where your spirit is telling you, no, you need to proclaim this. And I don't proclaim it. I stay quiet about it. Oh, you need to say this. And I don't say it. I stay quiet about it. No, you need to not go in there. Don't, don't do that. But I do go in. And there's all kinds of reasons. Sometimes it's peer pressure. Sometimes it's the people that are around us that will feel funny saying a thing or feel funny not going along 
with it this way. But whatever the reason is, He wants us to have the strength to not enter into the temptation, but to enter into the fruit. To take on the fruit, to become fruitful in that area instead of producing the flesh. He says the spirit, Spirit is willing. You can put in there willing or ready. The Spirit is willing. The Spirit is ready. It comes from a word that means readiness, willingness, or eagerness. They're willing. They're ready. They're eager. How many of you have a dog that does not like certain foods? Anybody have a dog? You know they don't like certain foods. If you hold that food out to that dog and the dog does not know what the food is, do you all know the dog is eager. The dog is willing. <laughs> Just waiting for that food. Oh, come on, give it to me. Come on, give it to me. I mean, some of them might be nasty food. Might be a hot pepper or so- chips and salsa or something like that. We did that one time with uh, with Tucker. We gave him, you know, he's over there begging. He wants some chips and salsa. All right, here, go. <laughs> Just to see what he would what he would do. But you, know, you hold that thing out. They're, they're willing. They're eager. The Spirit is, is listed here as being willing. It's eager. Can't wait to get at it. But the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. Now some of us would think that weak flesh is good. That means we're not doing a thing of the flesh. But Jesus calls it flesh is weak. What we need to do is have a strong flesh. We have control over that flesh. And I don't just do whatever it is that my flesh wants to do. I do what my Spirit wants to do. I do what my spirit says go this way, that's the way that I go. When my spirit says don't go over here, I don't go over there. That's a fruit producing person. But here, the spirit is willing, the spirit is ready, the spirit is eager, but the attitude of the spirit is insufficient. The attitude of the spirit is insufficient. I'm willing, if Jesus takes me over, all right, I need you three to stay here and pray with me. All right, yeah, we're, we're going to do that. But then after, you know, five minutes, ten minutes, whatever time it is, we get a little tired, we start to drift off, and we just don't have that unction to keep going. The attitude of the Spirit is insufficient. Now you can, now put this into terms that you understand. We all diff- are all different kinds of people. We come from all different kinds of walks of life, all different likes and dislikes. Isn't that right? You put one person in the, in the room, and you sit them down to watch some war movies. How many of you could stay awake for hours of war movies? No problem with the hours of war movies. How many would fall asleep after five minutes? But if your significant other person said, you know, I like to sit down and, and watch this movie, and you were willing to sit down there with them, but you just don't find the sufficiency to stay with it. On the contrary, probably some of you folks who like the war movies, don't like the, um, you know, the tearjerker movies and the, um, uh, what do they, uh, well, like, you know, of course they call them chick flicks, but <laughs> that's, it's not, I, I know some, some gals who don't necessarily like them and some guys who do. So, but you know what I'm kind of talking about. And, and uh, you know, your, other, your significant other who might like war movies might decide I'll sit down and watch this with you. And, and does, but then they start to drift off to sleep and begin to, you know, they're, they're willing, they're ready, 
but there's just an insufficiency there. It's not something that's going to hold their attention and, and pull them over. And that's what we have to be careful of. We have that willingness. I have that readiness. Yes, Father, I'll do that. But when I get right in there, what's inside me is insufficient. If God says, I want you to pray for an hour, as Jesus did here. And I say, all right, I'll do that. And I go in there and I'm asleep after 10 minutes. But if I was watching TV, might still be awake. The attitude of the Spirit is insufficient. There are two ways to overcome insufficiency. Two ways to overcome insufficiency. I've given you this in the past. I'll just remind you about these things. But there's two ways to overcome insufficiency. Insufficiency. One is to increase on my part. If I increase, I can overcome insufficiency, right? That is one way to do it. The second way is to decrease of the problem. Increase on my part or decrease of the problem. If you have a budget and your budget is X number of dollars and you have bills that are $100 over your budget, you have two choices. One, you must either decrease the bills or two, you can increase your wages. Either of those will solve the problem, right? But until you do that, you have an insufficiency. It's the same thing in the Spirit. If you are coming up to the same thing all the time and you find yourself insufficient, I, I like to hang out there and pray with God for a while. I like to do these things. He says, do this and enter not in a temptation, but I'm just not doing it. I'd like to not produce a work of the flesh in this area and produce fruit instead. I would like to be walking in love with people, but I keep finding myself aggravated. I would like to walk with patience with people, but I keep finding myself impatient. I would like to be long-suffering with people, but I'm finding myself not long-suffering. In fact, I suffer for about five minutes. Long-suffering for me is getting past five minutes. <laughs> That's not exactly long-suffering, but we have, to, we have to find a way. I have to either increase on my part or decrease on the other side. Now, if I can't decrease what's coming after me, how many of y'all know you can't always decrease the kids? <laughs> Wouldn't you like to sometime? But you can't always decrease the kids. They, you know, they don't have a switch. They don't have a dial. You can just tone them down a little bit. You know, I mean, it's, it's not like your TV where you can pause or you can turn the volume down or mute it. Oh, if our kids had a mute button. How good would that be, huh? <laughs> just, hit the, just hit the mute button and they're there just going away. But you don't hear anything. Just peace and quiet. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Or how about a pause button? Just, you know, I just need a break. Just give me five minutes, pause. And they just freeze. Wouldn't that be great? You're on the phone. How many go like that pause button when you're on the phone? Be able to hold, hold them up for just five more minutes. Let me finish this thing off. Well, we don't have that. So we can't decrease the problem there. So I'm only left with one choice, which is what? I've got to increase. I've got to increase what's on the inside of me. I've got to get me to the point where I am more than sufficient to get that taken care of. How do I do that? Well, here's one place he said. He said, so you don't enter into that temptation. Pray. But they didn't do it. And guess what? They entered into that temptation. When they were given the opportunity to run and to, to get away, they took it. The flesh is weak. The word here for weak means strengthless, feeble, impotent, sick, 
without strength or weak. Strengthless, feeble, even sick. That's what the word weak means. Our flesh is in need of ministry and our spirit is ready to receive too. Our flesh needs ministry. Glory to God, it needs ministry. God wants to minister to our flesh. Aren't you glad that He does? You ever felt you know, just exhausted, mentally exhausted, physically exhausted? It's your body that's exhausted. Aren't you, aren't you glad that God wants to minister to your body? Minister to your flesh, man? Build you up? Give you the strength to do what the kids need to have done? To do what is needed in the house? To do what is needed for school or the job or whatever it is? And you can reach down and get that extra effort and put that out. Don't you know God wants to help minister to your flesh as well as your spirit? He wants to minister to both. Here He tells them, spirit is willing, flesh is weak. We've got to take care of that weak flesh problem. If I want to become fruitful, if I want to do the things that God wants me to do, that flesh can, to- can keep me out of it. Because every time I get that opportunity to step out in the area and not produce works of flesh but to produce fruits of the Spirit. Every time I face that opportunity, my flesh rises up and says, no, nah, that's too hard. No, I don't want to do that. How many of you all got into an exercise program and it was real good the first day? Real good the first day. I mean, it went well. But then you woke up the second day and you were stiff from being so good on the first day. How many of you all know that can discourage you? Oh, man, I didn't want this. Oh, it's so stiff. Oh, it's all... Uh, I've told you the story before, but I had to tell everybody who comes new to hockey, I have to go over the, the thing with them. I, I tell them first thing. Some of the guys say, you're going to scare these people off. I said, if I don't, they get scared off anyway. I'd sit them down and I'll tell them about the rules of hockey and I'll sit them down and says, now look, you will be stiff for three days after this. I said, this is the most ferocious workout you have ever been through. You have never been through anything like this in your life. And we fully expect you to sit down on the sidelines every once in a while. But you'll be stiff for three days. And I usually get their email and I follow up with them. You know, were you stiff? With you? Yeah, well, I was stiff. Every one of them, I was stiff for three days. Oh, I could barely move the next day. That's all right. Now you come back the next week, it'll only be two. And then it's, and I tell them, you come back the third week, you'll only be stiff for one day. You come back the fourth week, you'll be fine. But you've got to keep coming back. You can't just, you know, take it some time off. You've got to keep coming back. And so the, the ones that do, they stick it out. And they do, but you have to be, be aware that that's going to be there. That you start working out, you start doing something, you're going to get a little stiff. Because you worked out some things. It was going to make the second day a little bit harder. Or, you know, you start off on a day and it's nice and beautiful, it's sunny, and then the next day it's raining. Do I really want to go outside and walk? Do I really want to go down to the gym today? I mean, look at it outside. So those things that are there, what is that? Your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. And so you're not going after the thing that you should go after. Take it, take it out of the exercise area. Put it into the eating area. How many of y'all know how to eat right? I'm not saying that you do it. I'm saying, how many of y'all know how to eat right? Yeah. You know, fruits, yeah. even vegetables, yes. they're good, except when you're out in a buffet. Fruits and vegetables are good. How many of y'all know that frozen hot pockets are a incredibly healthy meal? Isn't that right? Frozen hot pockets, one of the most healthful things you can eat. Frozen pizza, how good is that for you? I mean, 
You just don't get much better than that, do you? I mean, you got cheese. You got your meats. You got your breads in there. I mean, everything's all, all there that you'd want. But when you go to the refrigerator and you look at the prospects, I can either pull out the frozen chicken and some go to the store and get some fresh vegetables and cut them all up and put them all together and make a sauce and, and, and cook all that and come up with something healthy. Or I can put the hot pocket in the microwave. All right? Now, I know that sometimes it does win out that you do the longer meal and you cook all the stuff out and you, and you benefit from it. You got the fruits, you got the vegetables, you got the salad, you got the, all that sort of stuff in there. But there's other times where you just say, uh-uh, why? If you know that there are more dividends if you ate the fruits and the vegetables and the prepared meal that you did yourself instead of the frozen entree that you take out and put into the microwave, why do we grab for the frozen entree? It's simple, isn't it? It's easy and it's fast. And right now, I'm just hungry. And I just want to take care of that. So my spirit, is my spirit willing to eat good food still? Oh yeah, but what happens? My flesh got weak. And so instead of producing the good stuff, I'm going after for this. Or you know, you come home from a long day of work, either working outside in the yard, or you worked all day over the, the job and you come on home and you got to make up something for the kids to eat. Oh, how glad are you that you went over to the supermarket and grabbed five because they had a special five for $10 on the frozen pizzas. <laughs> and you just say to the oldest child, can you just go downstairs in the freezer and grab two of those frozen pizzas and heat them up? And they say, oh yeah, yeah. And they're excited because it's frozen pizza. And don't you just feel relief you see, there are many times that we are willing to do the right thing, but our flesh rises up and our flesh says, Mm-mm, here is an easier way out. We could do it this way instead. You know, I've, I've seen, I don't know if you've seen this, sometimes on uh, some of the channels I flip around, I've, I've seen this little gadget that you can buy. And instead of doing sit-ups, you can just strap this little belt on. Strap this little belt on and you can go about doing whatever you want to do and the little belt is going to do the exercising for you. <laughs> oh, my. Yes. flesh That's weak flesh. I'm not willing to go through the stuff that I need. I don't want to go through in my flesh side to get what I should have. So we're always trying to find shortcuts. We're always trying to find easier ways to get there. But if you're going to produce fruit for God, there are no shortcuts. Fruit is grown. You cannot get it any other way. We gave you the example last time. True fruit is grown. Fake fruit you can make. And you can put it anywhere that you want to. But it's still not fruit. It may look like fruit, but it is not real fruit. You can bite into this. I wouldn't recommend biting into the wooden apple. It will hurt. And it won't give you any benefit. Fruit is grown. It takes spiritual effort. This takes flesh effort. But God wants us to have spiritual stuff going on so that we get the benefit of it. But the flesh is weak. Over in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13.
Galatians chapter 5. Verse 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. This is after he's talking about and exhorting those about things in the area of liberty and love. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So think of it in this way, with these two fruits we have up here, the real one and the wooden one. They may look similar, but the natures are different. The flesh nature is contrary to the spirit nature and the spirit nature is contrary to the flesh nature. We have to get to the place where our flesh does not win out in those controversies. It says the spirit is contrary to the flesh. When I walk according to the flesh, I take away from my ability to produce fruit. Every time I walk according to the flesh, I take away my ability to produce fruit. So we've asked the question, Am I being fruitful? Am I producing fruit for God? When the kids come up and they begin to frustrate you, do they aggravate you the same way they did before you start walking in the things of the Spirit? Do the people on your job aggravate you the way they did before? Does the joy on the inside of you have to be because things are going well? Do you have joy on the inside of you only if things are going well and as soon as things don't go well, the joy goes away? then it's not changing. You're not producing fruit yet. Producing fruit will mean even though things at your job are not all that great, even though you don't have the most wonderful people all around you, there's still joy on the inside. Even though there's trouble on a number of different fronts, there's peace on the inside. Because I have peace with God. These are the fruits. These are the things. They don't get produced right away. The Word of God does not say that when you get attached to the vine... Bang! Fruit comes up. Don't happen that way. But it will begin to grow out of you. And what's great is you don't have to produce it. It grows by being attached. So what you'll find out is you are getting stronger and stronger in your spirit man. And before, when you would get aggravated, as long as you make the decision, you know what? I'm not going to go that way. I'm going to stay over here. I'm going to stay joyful. There is strength. There is energy. There's the ability to stay there. He said, pray that you do not enter into temptation. If you walk into the things of the Spirit, if you pursue the things of God, He says, you will not enter, deliberately go in to temptation. You won't do it. You will have the strength to say no. So I am walking according to a contrary nature. When I walk according to the flesh instead of the Spirit. In John chapter 4 and verse 8, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And the actual Greek reads it this way in both of these verses in John. He who does not love does not know God, for God, as to his nature, is love. The nature of God is love. That is his nature. When you get attached to the vine, and Jesus has the nature of the Father, doesn't he? 
When you get attached to the vine, you take on the very nature of God. That nature is, is not... I'm not saying you're going to become God-like. I'm saying you're going to take on the nature of God, which means His love flows through you. The Word of God says that He pours out His love in us. Thank God He does that. But when we get a part of that, His love comes in us. The key to being fruitful for God is to let His love work through you. That is the, that is the key. Now we're going to be looking at a lot of things to help us have that happen. But God as to His nature is love. So let's break it down this way. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is loving others. The fruit of the Spirit is loving others. You can look at everything in the fruit of the Spirit and pretty much bring it all back to loving other people. The reason that you don't have joy is because you fell of love with other people. Think about every situation where you've lost joy. Is it not that you lost joy because such and such a person made you mad? You're angry at so and so? Isn't that the case? When did you lose peace? Isn't it when strife came up between you and such and such? When did you stop walking in the love of God? When did you stop walking in forgiveness? Mercy. All these kind of things. Because we fell out of love. The nature of God is to love others. The nature of the spirit walk is to love other people. But here, here's the contrary side. The works of the flesh, the nature of the flesh, the works of the flesh is loving of self. The fruit of the Spirit is loving others. The works of the flesh is loving of self. The nature of the devil, we're told in the Word of God that the nature of God is, just said it, love. The nature of Satan is pride. So often in the Word of God, he has shown that the origin of his sin was pride. What is pride? It is the love of self. Pride is the love of self. You follow after the nature of Satan when you follow in, when you walk in the area of pride, when you walk in the area of self-love. That's the nature of Satan. Why do I get angry at others? Because they got in my way. Because they prevented me from doing what I wanted to do. Because they're taking up my time and I didn't want to put my time over here. Because they took something from me. Because they didn't respect this. It's a love of self. It all comes back to a love of self. I've got to stop loving self so much and start loving others. Let God love others through me. This is how it all breaks down. The fruit of the Spirit is loving others. The works of the flesh are the loving of, is the loving of self. doesn't mean that you cannot love yourself. Because you can. Thank God. Aren't you glad you can love yourself? But the Word of God tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves. The nature of pride is to love myself more than my neighbor. 
When I walk into a place and I am loving myself more than others, that's when I have a problem. I can love myself. I can. That's all right. There's no problem with me loving myself. But if I love myself more than I love others, then it's a problem. You can have great love for yourself. Just the greater you love yourself, the more you have to love other people. <laughs> because you've got to love your neighbor not almost as much as yourself. How? As yourself. See, there's, the devil likes to get people off in one ditch or the other. He'll get you into a place where, oh, I'm nobody. Oh, I'm nothing. Oh, I'm not worth anything. How many have ever had those thoughts come through your head? Trying to float through your spirit. Get to trying to take anchor and take root in you. Oh, I'm not worth anything. If you do not love yourself, if you have thoughts of yourself being nothing, if you have thoughts of yourself being nobody, if you have thoughts of yourself being worthless, how are you going to love other people? As if they are worthless, as if they are the same way that you see yourself as. My Lord, have a good, healthy image of yourself. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, Father God, I thank you. Thank you that you made me like I am. I thank you that you made me me. You can look in the mirror and say, Father, you did okay. You made me okay. You don't have to sit there and put yourself down and tear yourself down and thinking that's walking in the love of God. No. You can stand there and say, Father God, you did all right. I like the way that you molded me. I like the things that you put into me. I like the, the things that, how that helps me do the things for you that you called me to do. But love other people the same way you love yourself. That's all. You can do it. Oh, I'll tell you what, it brings joy, it brings peace, it brings all those good things. Don't love yourself more than others. But of course, that's what the world teaches us. You, 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 you. You, 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 you. Don't you love hearing those people give speeches or have conversations and all they talk about is, I did this and I did that and I did this and I did that. And I mean, after a while, you get tired. How many eyes do we have in there? <laughs> it's all gone. No, we don't want to hear about I, 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 I. I want to hear about we. Father God, we're going over here. Father God, we're doing this thing over here. You know, those political political people, I think, are the worst with it. You hear some of them folks, and they get up there, and they always have to say, well, I did this, and I did that, and I did this, and I did... No, wait a minute. <laughs> That's just horrible. No, we are a country. Some of my favorite presidents are people who gave speeches and just constantly use we. Us. Ronald Reagan had some of his most favorite speeches as a president. Oh, he would get up there and he would talk about us as Americans. It wasn't us. It wasn't he and the rest of us. We were all in it together. And looked at us as Americans. And we can do this. We can overcome this. We're better than that. <laughs> oh, that's so much better to listen to than I did this and I did that. And I did this. Oh, we get so tired of the eyes. But you see, that's the love of self. God wants us to walk into a place love yourself, but love others the same way that you love yourself. The same way that you love yourself. Jesus could love himself, but boy, he could love other people too. It is not bad to love yourself. 
that it's not bad to even do things for yourself. Any more than it's bad to do things for other people. Do things for other people. Do things for yourself. Glory to God. But never exclude the love of God to work through you to reach others. This is what God's called us to do. This is walking after the fruit. Becoming fruitful. What can you do for other people? How can you serve other people? Oh, God wants to do many things for us. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank You for the help that You give us. We thank You for the love that You have for us. And we want that love, Father, to work through us and to love others. It's okay for us to love ourselves, but it's so important that we take that same love with which we love ourselves and love others. Father, we thank You that You loved us before we even loved You. We thank You that You poured Your love on the inside of us. We don't have to love our kids. We don't have to love our spouse. We don't have to love our jobs, the people at the jobs. With any kind of natural human love, we can love it with the love You gave us. Father, we do all the things we do, whether we're a parent, whether we're a husband or a wife, whether we're a worker on the job, whether we're someone to help people in the neighborhood, whatever it is that we do, we do it unto You. We're serving You. And so we get joy. We have peace. We have love, long-suffering. All these things are a part of us because we are producing fruit. Thank You, Father, that in the weeks to come, You will show us more and more about how we can let this love out how we can let this love go and that we can love our kids with this kind of love. We can love our jobs. We can love the things that are going on around us, the people that are around us with your kind of love. And it's not so much an effort. We're not trying to paste a picture of fruit over our flesh because we're actually producing fruit. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.